0: Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson. Here on the Monday edition of the Yard, it feels so good to win. It does. It feels so good to win. We have played two games. We are two and zero. We will take it. As I wrote yesterday, it is certainly possible to be pleased with the outcome but not completely satisfied with the performance. And I think that's where most people are. It's like, yeah, if I get on there and be like, oh, you you think we lost the game? Yeah, I get it. But the reality is we all want the same things. That's for state to win, but also we want state to play well. And there are times on Saturday we didn't. We're going to talk about that very candidly today. We're also not going to underscore the fact that we did win the football game. Right, we did win the game. We are two and zero. You didn't misremember that. We won the game. There is a scoreboard uh, that's posted on each end of the football stadium, and when the time elapsed, Mississippi State had more points than Arizona. All that said, there were some things that we did over the course of that ball game to make that game closer than it should have been. And listen, take nothing away from Arizona. Those guys are very talented, especially in the trenches. Jaden DeLara, as we said all week, is capable of leading that team into Davis Wade Stadium and leaving with the victory. Comes up about uh, a foot short of at least having the opportunity to do that. But uh, very impressed with him. They turned him loose. He uses athleticism. And uh, at times used our defensive scheme against us. And that was kind of, you know, think about the kryptonite last year. You know, the teams that really gave State some trouble – we're mobile quarterbacks and because we vacate so much space in the middle of the field by bringing pressure. And when you don't get home, it opens up some running opportunities for the quarterback. And we're going to see another very mobile quarterback this week in Jaden Daniels. Probably the two most mobile quarterbacks we're going to see all year. Week two, week three. And then you get to Alabama. You know, Milroe obviously, uh, maybe not the passer that those two guys are. But uh, we're going to see some running quarterbacks this year. And you got to believe, too, that offensive coordinators around this league, they're going to see the success that DeLora had and try to replicate that. I just don't know if they all have the athletes to do so. But, uh, yeah, it's something that has kind of uh, been a trend in recent years. The mobile quarterback, when things break down, has some running opportunities against Mississippi State, Jaden DeLora, exploited those this year, didn't do it last year, and was criticized for it. But uh, they just kind of turned that kid loose, and he nearly pulled off a huge win for Arizona. But he didn't. We're 2-0. And uh, big recruiting weekend, too, for Mississippi State in multiple sports. We'll talk about that later in the show. But uh, we're going to jump right into uh, our review of the game. We'll speak with Zach Arnett later today. You can find full coverage of Zach Arnett's press conference over at jeanspage.com, we'll also uh, get multiple players this afternoon. And then this evening, we'll get coordinators. So, busy day in Stark Vegas. So, if you're looking for in-depth coverage, as the Bulldogs prepare for LSU, look no further than jeanspage.com. Most of that content will be free. Yeah, that's right. Most of our team uh, coverage is free. So, you don't have to be a member. You should be. You should be. But uh, if you're not, you can still come to jeanspage.com. Uh, Because we're going to give you more in-depth coverage than anybody, period. Let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company. You may be surprised to know this. I have eaten at Bulldog Burger Company three of the last eight days. That's right. Yeah. Three of the last eight days. And last night, I didn't get the spring rolls because I thought, you know what? I've already done this like twice in the last week. Trying to save some women for the rest of y'all, right? No, I'm serious. I've got one woman. I love all women. I love one more than most. Uh, so we went eight last night. I had a great time. Uh, my son Ian waited on us. But we had the uh, we had the sloppy uh, got the sloppy Joe fries, which is a really cool appetizer too. So if you're looking to change it up a little bit, you get the French fries, the better French fries, topped with some sloppy Joe uh, meat and sauce, some jalapenos, some cheese. It's uh, fabulous. So if you're looking to change that up, let me mention that as an alternative. I had the Mississippi barbecue burger last night. And rather than get the Nutella shake to go, I got the special shake, and I understand it's been extremely popular, the M&M shake. Yeah, that's right. And then uh, the bride and I walked around the Cotton District for a while, kind of walked off some of those calories, right? You know, I'm old. Not as uh, spry as I used to be. Man, what a great experience. And again, three times in eight days. Love Bulldog Burger Company, man. Three great locations to serve you. University Drive here in Star Vegas. That's a flagship. Gloucester Street over there in Tupelo. Lake Harbor Drive in the Ridge and Flowood area. One of the main things I like about that place is the consistency, but also, too, there are times they run some specials and kind of change things up a little bit. That's a really cool thing, too. Really, really cool thing, too. Go by and find your own favorites. There's great restaurant-quality hamburgers, so many great ones to choose from. Always got uh, something that'll cure what else, you for sure. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet M-E-A-T. All right, let's just go ahead and get into it, all right? Arizona wins a toss, they defer. That's fine, that's absolutely fine. We put together a great first drive. We didn't finish the drive off, and that kind of became a recurring theme for your Bulldogs. But we get going with Woody right out of the gate. We run off left side for eight. Then we go right to the right side for uh, for 14. We're, listen, guys, we're already right there within the uh, within reach of the state script logo at midfield. We bring in Simeon Price. He gets eight. So all of you look here. It's like they're not explosive plays, but we're gashing this Arizona defense early. Second and two already across the midfield, man. Uh, you know when we swing it out to Woody, who gets the first down, first and 10, the Arizona 39. First false start penalty of the year, Nick Jones. He had a second one later uh, in the ballgame. But the first pre-snap penalty on Mississippi State of the young season makes it first and 15. Uh, we're, we're incomplete to Tulu, and uh, this was basically an angle route, or a corner route, excuse me, that uh, we miss on. Because Tulu is open, and we just overthrow him. One of the few misfires that Will Rogers had. I don't know that he had enough opportunities in this ballgame as a passer. But this is one that he missed on. Second, 15, Seth Davis, third running back already. And if that is not uh, maybe the recurrence of a theme, it's like, hey, we're going to run the football, but we're also going to do it by committee. Seth Davis runs off right side for 15 yards. We're just gashing them. And this is a team that really, really did a good job against Northern Arizona against the run, granted a different brand of athlete. But we're having some success here. First and 10 if they're 29 uh, we're incomplete to Justin Robinson. we got to get him more involved. Second and ten, Woody runs off left side for four, brings up a very manageable third and six. And then we, uh, we take a shot to Jordan Mosley. It's a P.I. here, and if they didn't interfere, it's probably a touchdown. Would have liked to have had that. First and ten at the Arizona ten. We swing it out to, to uh, Tulu for one. Woody runs, they call it off right, but it's really more towards um, between the tackles, and we get nothing. Third and 11, uh, we get it out to Woody for seven, and I think our emotions got the better of us here. I think we wanted to go out there and punch them in the mouth and say, you know what, you got no chance to win this football game. And sometimes discretion is the better part of valor. We made a mistake here. Zach Arnett admitted that in postgame. You got to take points right here. And there are a lot of reasons why. Number one, you want to get a lead, right? Also, you want to cap a very successful drive with points. Give your offense a little juice. Instead, we go for it. And uh, Justin Robinson did fumble, but this play was was pretty much doomed from the start. We get it out there to him and uh, give, um, give Martell some credit, man. That kid was everywhere. And that uh, forces a fumble. And unfortunately for us, the ball rolls through the end zone or out of bounds in the end zone and gives them a touchback. Because, you know, the thinking is, hey, even if you don't get it, you've got them hemmed up here. Inside, they're on five. But we turn it over, and then they get it at the 20, and they have life. So rather than us making that emphatic statement on drive one, we go down there and give them some confidence. And we short lived but that's the, the problem with gambling this early in a ballgame. And again, listen, Vegas had this as a single-digit favorite deal for State that ultimately State didn't cover. But when you know it's going to be a nip-and-tuck ballgame, you can't be chasing points this early in a ballgame. And uh, I said it then, I'll say it again now, it was a mistake. There were times last year Leach went for it and I thought it was a mistake. I thought this is a situation, again, if you punch it in, It's significant. But the football play here is to take the points. Arizona starts at their 20. Delora complete to Michael Wiley. And and this is a control pass, right? This is let's get our guy in a rhythm. Let's give him some easy reads, easy throws. Uh, Michael Wiley, a very, very good player from Arizona. Get it out to him for eight. Uh, Then they run a little bit of a kind of a tight end out action here and get it to Tanner McLaughlin. Uh, Who has six in the first down? And then they hit Furge on a 15-yarder. I thought it was a little ticky-tack, to be honest with you. He did touch him. But there was not anything egregious there. Nevertheless, we're flagged for it. There is no review of that play, nor should there be. But automatically, you look up and you're, oh, they're they're already at midfield. Not good. Not good. They go back out to Wiley for five, a very manageable, uh, you know, gain on first down. But, you know, basically it's kind of an extension of the running game, right? You want to get Wiley in space with a controlled throw, and DeLardis does a good job with that. Brings up second and five, and this is where we try to do a little too much if you're Arizona. Tried to ram one in there in traffic. Bookie Watson gets it off of the uh, Marcus Banks uh, PBU. And uh, I, I read some comments, too. People like, well, I thought it was pass interference there. No, it wasn't pass interference there. Marcus Banks has just as much right to the football as the Arkansas receiver, period. Some people forget that. It's not like we're just supposed to ask for permission. We have a right to the football, too. This was not PI, nor should it have been PI, but it's a great development early on. So the teams have traded turnovers on their first drives. And you feel like, okay, we've got to go in and make them pay here. And uh, we do. So we set up shop at midfield, and Woody runs. They call it middle, but, um, you know, it was really more of a cutback deal here. Uh, 21 yards here for Woody. And, again, we're just absolutely gashing this defense. We go back to Woody for a one-yard game, brings up second and nine. We go back to Woody in the middle for five, makes it third and four. Very manageable third and four, but instead of we take a shot here and uh, we get it out basically on a bubble out on the perimeter of Tulu, extremely well blocked because sometimes that's what happens. You know, Tulu gets his name in a box score, but the two receivers out there that uh, had really good seal blocks enabled him to get loose, and he wins the foot race to the end zone. They review it to make sure that he got in. His foot did touch out of bounds, but it appeared that the ball was across a pylon uh, when it did so the ruling stands when confirmed it it stood and that that's going to be significant later in our discussion today extra point is good seven at miss the Mississippi State the ensuing kickoff is a touchback you got to feel like Dolores thinking right here okay made a mistake last time we'll be okay we had some things to feel good about on that drive they tried to get it to Jacob Cowing, who is an electric player he really is and it's a one yard loss. Sean Preston with a big, big play. I thought Sean had a really good game. The box score bears that out too. Second 11. They give it to Wiley, who runs right for two, makes it third and nine. And again, kind of forcing the action here. Jet Johnson reads Delora off the snap. I mean, Jet's back there in his the own. He just reads and, reads and reads and reads and reads and reads. And they try to force it the cow. And, and Jet undercuts the route and returns it 30 yards to the Arizona 6. Amazing starting field position. So bear in mind here, outside of the opening kick, State's two drives here late, the two scoring drives late in the first quarter. One begins at the 50, the other begins at the Arizona 6. Very favorable field position to say the least. First and goal from the six. We give it to Woody, who gets five and down to the one. He stumbled into the end zone, kind of flipped himself over there, but he was down. We go right back to him with the rental tempo there, and we get him in the end zone. Extra points, good. It's fourteen nothing. A Hawks kickoff this time comes down into Arizona two. Eighteen yard return for Michael Wiley. So again, Arizona, with a chance here, kind of climb back into the ball game. Still first quarter, right? You look at it and say, you know, hey, it's 14-0. If you're Arizona, you're starting to panic a little bit, maybe. It's like, you know, yeah, it's a long ball game, but man, not a great start. Got some juice early on, but uh, the juice has been flowing maroon and white the previous two drives. All right, so first and 10 from their 20, uh, DJ Williams is going to run up the middle, and Treviar Williams. Fits a gap there. It's a one yard loss, makes it second eleven. They get it out to Michael Wiley again. I mean, it's kind of like the way we used to use Woody in the air raid, right? Just again, just get him out there in the flats. A lot of times it's a check down or whatever, but sometimes there's some design plays where he's a primary option in the passing game. But you get it out there to Wiley for seven, and it's third and four. And again, you're looking at this and say, okay, you know, what's the smart football play? last thing you want to do is turn it over again. That's exactly what happens. And I've read some people talking about, well, yeah, it was just a great effort by Preston, which it was. It was. However, bad decision by Jaden Delora. You don't throw that corner route in the double coverage. State had hollow coverage here. I mean, it's got to be a perfect pass. It nearly was. Give Delara some credit. He puts it on Cowan's hands. But um, Sean Preston clearly has done more push-ups. As he rips that football away for an interception. A great play by Sean Preston. And Asias Furge also got, a, got a, a PBU on the play. Bad decision. Now it's three picks in the first quarter. Uh, Delar did not play most of the fourth quarter at Arizona last year. And I tweeted this out. In less than five periods of play, Delar had thrown six picks. To Mississippi State defense. We clearly bother him. All right, state sets up at the 48. Again, here we are at midfield with the short field. 50. First and goal at the six, and then 48. There's gonna be a test later. Tulu Griffin runs off left side for two yards and a loss. And this this we got a little bit too cute here. It's like you know we have the ball at midfield, we have a two-possession lead. Let's not get too cute. I thought we did here, and it seems like every time it's Tulu that has to handle all that, right? It's just, it always seems like, it seems like sometimes we try to do a little too much with Tulu in the run game, and we kind of outsmart ourselves, and that's kind of how it felt here. We go to Woody for six, and then we run off left side, makes it a fourth and four deal, and uh, Andrew Osteen punts 40 yards down to the Arizona six. So you got to pin back deep against state winning the battle of field position here and winning the football game. Arizona's about to put together an incredible drive here. It begins with 11 seconds to go in the first quarter. Michael Wiley runs off left side for two, and that's the end of one. And again, you've got them pin back deep, and you think, okay, you know, surely we'll get a punt here and we'll get up, you know, take ball possession again for the third consecutive time around midfield. It's not what happens, though. Second and eight from the Arizona eight. Delora is complete to Montana Lamonius Craig, former Colorado wide receiver. For eight, it's a first down. It's his first touch of the game. Michael Wiley then runs off left side for two. Delora complete to Michael Wiley for eight. Moves to change, first and 10th, 26. Starting to find a little rhythm in his controlled passing game. Working outside the numbers rather than the middle of the field. That's where he got in trouble when he tried to really kind of extend the game inside the numbers first and 10 from the 26 michael wiley runs off right side for eight they go back to him for three to make it uh, a second two that was, was a second two excuse me makes it a first down rashawn luke and runs off left side for two incomplete to roberto Miranda, which makes it a third and eight a chance for us to get off the field we don't they get it out to jonah coleman for 10 yards and uh basically wide open and give them some credit schematically here for able being able to get those guys out there we have 11 they have 11 right I mean, sometimes you forget that we have 11 they have 11 one of theirs is a quarterback but there were times they did some things schematically to get guys underneath out in the flats and get them in space we didn't always handle it well all right first and 10 from the arizona 49 is complete to tetaroa mcmillan For seven yards, down to the MSU 44. Jonah Coleman then runs for a one-yard gain, and then Delora on third and two here. You know, we're bringing the heat, bringing a run blitz, because we're doing all we can to stop them from running the football to make Delora win the game for them. He nearly did. And Delora just takes off and goes. 13 yards, really gashes us here. First and 10 now at the stake 30. They bring Mike Wiley on an inside handoff here, and great job by Jaden Crumbody kind of setting the edge and forcing the action farther outside. Asias Ferg with a nice tackle. Second and thirteen. What do you know? We bring pressure, and it's interesting. I noted this earlier, uh, based on the information that I saw. There were forty dropbacks for Delora, and twenty-one of them the stayed had pressure. Just didn't get the sacks. He only had two last year. I mean, this, this is the, again one of the more mobile quarterbacks in the country. Third and two, they, they try to go to McMillan, and uh, Deontay Anderson gets a hand up there. Uh, nice play, and again, quarterback hurried by Jaden Crumdy. Brings up a fourth and two. They decide to go for it. And why not? And good for them, right? I mean, you're down 14-0. you got to get some juice, not to mention you get the ball first coming out of the half. If you turn it over here, State's still got to drive 70, 75 yards. Dolores complete to Wiley for eight. Again, kind of scheming us up a little bit there. Makes it first and 10 at the state 14. Wiley rushes right side for six. They go back to him for two up the middle, which brings up a third and two. They try to run a little action here and bring cowling behind the formation. Like everybody's flowing away. He comes back across. Again, trying to scheme us up and get him in space. Well, Sean Preston wasn't fooled. Wasn't fooled at all. He jumps it. He hits Jacob Cowing. It absolutely uh, is a fumble. And uh, Hunter Washington picks it up and it's returned 23 yards to the MSU 41. And you think, okay, here's a chance for us to really kind of put them away. And you can only begin to imagine how incredibly frustrating that has to be for Arizona. It's like, okay, I've, we've thrown three picks and we're still in the game. Okay, now we put together a successful drive. We're going to go down here and at least get some points. And after 19 plays, the 19th play of the drive, Sean Preston takes it away. And it's not like Cowan just drops the football. Preston separates him from the football. Good defense. And you got to think if you're Arizona right here and now, you're thinking, you know what, it's not our day. But give Delora and that staff and that leadership of that team a lot of credit. They didn't quit. They probably should have. A lot of teams would have. Give them credit. They have some real grit. We take over first and 10 at our 41. Uh, Woody up the middle for six. We go back to that well again and get three. Brings up a third and one, and then there's a false start. Nick Jones, the second pre-snap penalty of the year for Mississippi State. Both of them just happen to be on Nick. Our right, third and six, and we do a great job here getting it to Jaden Wiley, who gets across the line uh, for the first down. In addition to that, Justin Flo is called for illegal hands to the face. Gives us 15. Now it's at the Arizona 34. Now you're like, if you're like me, I'm thinking, okay, this is not, maybe not the death blow, but this is probably a pretty pretty big body blow coming here. That, hey, we had an extended drive. We got nothing, and those guys capitalized on it. And now it's a three score game going to the halftime. Kind of negates a lot, right? That's what you're thinking. That's what we're all thinking. State's going to go ahead and put this thing away. We're all going to be able to enjoy the rest of the evening. Kind of anxiety-free. That's how it felt. All right, first and 10 from the Arizona 34. We give it to Woody. He gets nothing. We go back to Woody, who gets five off the right side. Give it to him again, and it's, uh, you know, hey, we get three off the left. Makes it fourth and two. And, again, here we are. It's a statement play. You could probably kick here. You probably could. But, again, we're looking looking for a kill shot. You know, that's what you're looking for. We go for it on fourth and two. And, again, it's just absolutely debilitating for a defense. You're all geared up in the run blitz, and then Woody bounces through there for 12. It's crazy. 12. Now it's at the, at the Arizona 14. You're thinking, okay, what's this it? And sure enough, we run for a touchdown here, but it's called back on a holding call against Cole Smith, the first hold of the young season on the Bulldogs. Yes, he held. He did. Period. Wasn't necessary. I think Woody's going to get through there anyway. But it starts out, you know, Cole's in great shape, has the hands inside, really kind of controlling the encounter. Norton's a big dude, though. Bigger than Cole. He is. But Cole does a good job kind of getting his feet behind him, dipping those hips, and he is controlling the encounter. And then, you know, Norton shifts, and we don't let him go. You got to disengage there. We don't. And we get flagged for it. It costs us a touchdown. And it was very significant, not just in the moment and in this possession, but in the grand scheme of the drive, that penalty was very, very significant. It never comes down to one play, but that's one you wish you'd had back. Now it's first and 20 at the Arizona 24. We give it to Seth Davis, who gets 10. Now all of a sudden, hey, okay, all right, look, cool, right? Uh, excuse me. Seth, the first Seth Davis carried, would got nothing. The second one gets 10. So now it's third and 10. 48 seconds to go, and uh, we decide to take a shot here, and and they get to us. They brought the house and got home. I don't know if we didn't pick it up in pre-snap read or they disguised it really well, but they made the play we didn't. Makes it 4th and 19. Kyle Ferry hooks it right, and so we miss the field goal there and a chance to make it a free-score game. And you got to feel like if you're Arizona, it's like, hey, it's 40 seconds, man, but, uh, you know, we got a guy out here that can sling it a country mile, and yes, we've had some picks, but what do we have to lose? Because if we get anything here before the half in a 14-0 ball game and get the ball coming out... Now we got a game. That's exactly what happened, and it's inexcusable. Give them credit, but give us a demerit or two for how we played this final possession. It's like we just thought they were just going to go into the locker room. And we saw our Waterloo. We had a chance to go overcome that, and we didn't. First and 10 from our 23, Dolores completes McMillan for six. D. Kim runs him out of bounds. Second four, incomplete to Montana Lawrence Craig and they flag Furge for uh, pass interference. And you know what's so in- interesting about that too is that play the review there saved us 37 yards. And then we talked about the Waterloo, this is it. Okay, you knew they were going to come out bombing here. At least that's how it felt. And so they throw a warning shot here. Initially ruled the pass complete, it wasn't complete. It was a pretty obvious Incompletion once, you know, you saw the replay. And not to take anything away from Lamonius Craig. Kid made an outstanding effort on the play. All while being interfered with. But the review saved state 37 down. So instead of having it on our side of the field within, you know, reasonable striking distance, they're back across the 50. You think, okay. All right, we survived that. 23 seconds to go, you know, 44... Uh, Arizona 44, you have 56 yards. We just got to make a play. And somehow, some way, we let Teterrell McMillan get behind us. And he may be Arizona's best player. Honestly, this guy's a pro. Incredible. And somehow, we don't make a play here. We let this individual effort exceed ours. And that delora's just throwing it up there i'm sure he's thinking hey it's 23 seconds to go in the half if they pick it off it basically serves as a punt so i'm just going to gear up here and throw it as far as i can hopefully my guy gets under it he does 55 yards down to the state one and then they decide to go no huddle here and um just kind of on his own delora makes the, the the sneak here now Obviously, we don't have access to every view, but looking at the overhead view last night, he didn't get in. I think the call was kind of anticipated because DeLara did not have the football as he crossed the goal line. The truth of the matter is, you can't sit there and, and complain about that when you don't make the play. Arizona shouldn't have been in that situation, and DeLara takes full advantage. We deserve to get scored on there. And even though you look at it and say, you know what, he didn't get in? He didn't. But we earned it. We earned that. We earned, because of our inconsistent play on that final drive, we deserve to have Arizona score. Simple as that. And give them credit. for Delore, hey, good throw, great effort by McMillan. We didn't give them anything. They took it. But we didn't play well. Not in that situation. We did not handle that scenario well in any way whatsoever. And so it's this kind of poetic justice that they score there. So give them credit. Extra point is good. Uh, and then, you know, they uh, they flag us for uh, unsportsmanlike conduct where Jaden Cromedy roughs the snapper, you know, the snapper, deep snapper's pr- a protected player, and uh, we basically leaped on top of him. That penalty well deserved. And then they give a touchback here, and then we kneel down, and that's the end of the half. And uh, you look up and say, man, you know, State's pretty much dominated this ball game, And it's like, what, well, it's 14-7? How? How is it 14-7? Well, you didn't finish drives on offense, and then uh, they had this little, you know, you know, fire drill play at the end of the half, and uh, their guy wins. You know, Arizona, to their credit, didn't quit. But State had the chance to really beat them into submission in that first half and didn't do it. You let teams like Arizona hang around and start getting some belief – you end up in a dogfight. And I said it for a week. I'm not going to sit here and tell you I, say I told you so, but I did. This is an improved Arizona team, and we were in a fight. I said, don't look at that score last year. We won 39-17. You think, oh, it's the same thing. You know, Arizona had the full benefit of looking at how Zach Arnett defensed him last year. You don't think the Laura and those guys said, okay, let's learn from that. Let, let, let's work a little more uh, you know, horizontally. And kind of negate the pass rush. And you know what? When they vacate the middle, Jacob, just turn off and go. You know? It's gonna make plays happen. So they had the benefit of that. And they and they used it. And it's like you look up here and you think to yourself, you know, this is the, the first time first half stats. Shouldn't even be close. But they were. And a lot of it's because of the fact that, you know, Arizona had a couple of sustained drives and no really points to show for it until that final drive before the half. State got Incredible field position throughout the half, and you've got to cash that in. But instead, it's a 14-7 game at the half. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. That's right, the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid; that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest. And we go up there, and just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scoot. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Takovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing, the versatility of Tacovas And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. All right, let's jump into the second half here. And again, I told Mike Nemeth this is a significant drive here for Mississippi State. Arizona's coming out again, that I'm sure they're thinking, you know what, as bad as we played, guys, we're down a touchdown. There's no way we can play that bad in the second half, and they didn't. And you just knew. I told Mike Nemitz when that third down camp, I said, you know, Mike, I hate to oversell the point here, but I think this is a very significant play in the game. And how they got there, incomplete to McMillan. And and, and listen, I, I appreciate that. Come out there, try to get him involved. That's your guy. And it's a false start penalty. Makes it a second and 15. They run Michael Wiley on the, on the right side for just two. Brings up a, a long, a third and 13. And uh, they just check it down to Wiley. Good job from State here coverage-wise. And uh, get the 37-yard punt, and Xavion Thomas fills it uh, at the state 45 and returns it to Arizona 30. And you're thinking, yeah, that's exactly what we needed right there. You get the three and out. You get favorable fill position better than we probably anticipated. And you turn it into points. Uh, we On first and 10 from their 30, we give it to Woody off right side for two. We go back to the right side for seven with Woody. Brings up a manageable third and one. We go left side this time for six. First and ten from there 15. And uh we had dealer's choice here. We're, Will could have gone to Robinson or Tulu. Both were open on a play, but he gets Tulu. Extra point is good. It's 21-7, and now everybody's kinda relaxing. So you know, hey, Steve, okay, yeah, we survived a scare. We hadn't played well, but now we've got some separation. We're good. Arizona's like, not so fast. Not so fast as uh, our buddy Lee Corso would say. Touchback has the ball first and 10 at their 25. Uh, Dolores complete to Jonah Coleman for just one. And they're incomplete to Jonah Coleman and Sean Preston all in the face of Jaden Dolores. He basically just kind of threw that ball away. Uh, what, What intentional grounding, but it was very intentional in what he did, trying to protect himself and not take a negative play here. All right, so it's third and nine. You think, okay, a chance for us to get off the field. And somehow we lose Jonah Coleman. And they get 11. First down. First and 10 now. And uh, they run Coleman right side. And we get a stop here. Again, second and 10. They get it to McMillan, who has seven. And then they flag us for illegal substitution, which is the right call. Crummity hadn't gotten off the field yet, so heads up play by the Laura. Take advantage of free play. Makes it second and five. He hits Simonius Craig for 12. And this is a guy that can play. I mean, this is not just like some... You know, some kid that just showed up one day. This kid's proven he can do it. The the play is nullified though to an ineligible downfield, and it was pretty obvious. But I didn't understand how we continued to let Lamonius Craig get open. Like it's like that's the thing I think about his Arizona offense. It's like okay, you got to prepare for Calway and McMillan, two different brands of receivers, both especially skilled. We talked all week about the offensive skill at Arizona is comparable to SEC talent. I think now you see it. Now you throw Montana, Lamonius Craig into the mix. Arizona may prove to be a little better than I thought. All right, second five. Second ten, excuse me. Uh, they're completing McMillan for 21 yards here. It's rough, man. <laughs> it's rough. You can't let that big guy get out and go, man. That guy's a really, really good player. All right, first and ten. We bring some pressure, on, and then Delora gets loose and runs again for 10 yards and moves the change. First and 10 at our 32. Sean Luke then runs right side for nine. Second one, they keep finding Lamonius Craig. It's like, did we just forget him? Maybe we did. Six yards here. Uh, in the red zone now, first and 10 at our 17. Incomplete to the, the Sean Luke, Marcus Banks with the PBU there. And listen, um, Sean Luke may be the fastest kid on the Arizona team. Marcus Banks may be the fastest guy on the Bulldog defense. Great play by Banks here. They basically just kind of want a a real will route action here. And Banks was with Luke step for step. Great play. Second 17, they swing it out to Cowan. He makes a guy miss and dances around and then dives for the pylon and he's in. And and a guy like Jacob Cowan, you're only going to keep him down for so long. First and 10, uh, they take the uh, extra point there, excuse me, and uh, makes it 21-14. Now, all of a sudden, it's like, okay, we need to go answer here. Get anything. Get a field goal, anything. You Start kind of eating this clock up a little bit because you feel like in that fourth quarter, we can ride the running game to victory. That's how it felt. One of the best defensive possessions of the game for Arizona. First and 10, we give it to Seth, who goes up the middle for four. We go back to Seth Davis for five here. Brings up a manageable third one. We bring in Jeffrey Pittman, the, uh, the specialist, the short yardage specialist here. I don't know if he just didn't see the hole. There was some room to the right, kind of off right guard. You know, kind of popped out over there, but instead, give them credit. Uh, Jacob Manu was there. They made the tackle, and it's, you know, we get nothing out of it. Jeffrey Pittman with a full head of steam is awfully difficult to stop. So we can call play call, we can call play execution. I mean the same thing. It's fourth and one. Keegan in spots 40 yards. Jacob Cowan with the fair catch to Arizona 30. Very, very significant. Very significant drive in a ballgame right here. Arizona has a chance to really make some things happen here. They have all the momentum at this point. Every bit of it. They've had the touchdown drive. Great defensive sequence, not bad field position. At their 30, uh, DeLara gets it out to Cowing for nine. Second one, Wiley runs off right side for 12, and at this point you're thinking, you know what, they're fixing tightest ballgame. First and 10 out in their midfield, incomplete to Michael Wiley. Great play by Buki Watson. Second and 10, DeLara's complete left to Cowing for five, brings up a manageable third and five. They throw it out to Wiley, and it's a two-yard loss. Great, great, great play here by Bookie Watson, Trevion Williams. Makes it fourth and seven. They like to punt. That's the right call. Big, big, big drive for State right there. This thing could have actually cascaded into an absolute disaster if they score here. All right. I'm going to tell you something I disagreed with right here. The final possession of the third quarter belonged to Mississippi State. We get it out to Simeon Price. He gets a little bit banged up. Second two. We complete the Woody, and he swings it out there 13 yards. And so first and 10 out of our 33. Guys, I'm letting the clock run out. See, I disagree with this, and it seems kind of insignificant at the time. When I'm playing with the lead, I want the clock to run. If I'm playing from behind, I'm going to get as many snaps as I can get in before the quarter quarter break. We run left side for Woody, and he gets hurt. On top of it so we get the six yards I just don't understand the wisdom why are we in such a hurry we have the lead and the football and we can go ahead and start milking that fourth quarter clock but instead we try to sneak one more snap in that really doesn't serve us any benefit as, as it relates to clock management second and four and Woody's in the locker room guys I knew he'd be back I didn't know it would take as long as it did but now all of a sudden, you've got, you're have got you trying to put a drive together to put the game away, and arguably your best player is unavailable to you. Now, guys get hurt, injuries are part of football, right? But it's just kind of interesting. You, know, you rush that play up there, and the next thing you know, your guy's banged up, and he's tough. Well, he always comes back. But second and four, you complete the two loop for nine, so now we're out near midfield, and you're thinking, okay, hey, we're good. First and ten, near midfield at, at our 48, we take a shot here. It's incomplete to Tulu. Second 10, we give it to Jeffrey Pittman, who has one yard, and then we'll roger to sacked sack for six, six-yard loss. It's a, this is the kind of stuff that gets to you, right? You got a chance to open up and get some separation here. And basically, after the nine-yard uh, pass to Tulu to give us the first down, it's an incompletion. We get one yard and a loss of six. So it's a net loss of five yards on those final three plays of the possession. Not good. Not good. Now, I think some of the conservative play calling is associated with this sequence is probably because, in fact, Woody's in the locker room. But somebody besides Woody's got to make a play. Later in the game, they did. But this is a drive right here. It just kind of felt like things were wearing down. And, you know, and like I've seen people talk about play calling. Let me remind you this. You don't know what play was called. You just know what play was ran. And sometimes the play gets changed at the line of scrimmage. Sometimes there's a look they give us, and you know that's changed from the sidelines. There's things that happen, but I always have a, our play calling is terrible. Okay, tell me what play was called. Oh well, we ran this. What? How do you? That's what it was called. At the end of the day, some sometimes we learn these buzzwords. I, I get. I, I gotta be too careful. I gotta be careful. Are we too specific? Because I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. But it's like I read through some of the stuff on Twitter sometimes, and I'm like, this this never happened. It's like we we, we want to get the hot take out there, and it, it's like we get some terminology, and it's like, oh well, we will we, you know, they ran the triple endy, you know. And it didn't work. I'm like what? What, what? They did what? You know. And it's just like there's so many things. Again, let's just focus on what is, right? Rather than focus on what we think should be. And focus on uh, what maybe, you know, we heard on Madden. Oh, we played Madden, you know. Oh, oh yeah. So this is this is the play on Madden. We're, we're running this, and it's got nothing to do with that. You know, it's like we just learned the little buzzwords to try to develop some internet cred. But the bottom line is this: Arizona's got the football the chance to tie this football game in the fourth quarter at Davis Wade Stadium in a game that we should already have some separation. And again, take nothing away from Arizona. But State should be up two scores right here. We're not. And it mattered. First and 10 from the Arizona 20, Delarius complete to McMillan for four. Incomplete, back to McMillan. Makes it a third and six chance for us to get off the field. And they find Lamonius Craig Again. But he has stopped short of the line to gain, brings up fourth and one, a chance for us to get off the field. This is just kind of one of those destiny drives for DeLore. He's like, you know what? We're just going to go. And they did. And I tell you this, Decam nearly made them eat it right here. He did get to the uh, 30-yard line. They swing it out to Cowan, Decam gets off a block and makes a very physical tackle. And in live action, it looked like he might be a little bit short. He wasn't. It was the right call. Uh, so they get the first down there, but uh, DKM all over it. And again, makes a good play there. Of course, you say, well, Steve, they move the chains. But um, very competitive play, kind of set things up for later. First and 10, they uh, swing it out to McLaughlin and he gets loose. And I don't know how. It's like you look at it not, not, to take nothing away from McLaughlin, but it's like how is he finding this much room to operate? You know, why are we playing so soft? a touchdown lead the fourth quarter. I know you want to make a march down the field. You want to avoid the big play. But how is a tight end running that wide open? First and 10, uh, they run off right side to Michael Wiley. And, again, you know, give Fish and guys. They know how to get their guys in space. They do. All right, first and 10 from our 15, uh, it's complete to McLaughlin for five. It gets it down to the 10. Isaac Smith and Jet Johnson on the tackle. Second five, we get uh, Delora, they call it a sack. We basically just ran him out of bounds, right? So, it's in the box score as a a sack. And, yes, it counts, but we never got him on the ground. You know what I'm saying? It's like we didn't have that big emphatic play that gets everybody on their feet. It goes in the box score as a sack. And Jets credited with that. But, um, you know, it's interesting. You know, it is. We got to find a way to get the quarterback on the ground. All right, third and six, and this is just two guys used to playing 707 with each other. Uh, We initially cover up McMillan here, and he just keeps working. If you notice, DeLora kind of has to reload, you know? It's like he's ready to move on from, and all of a sudden he sees McMillan in a mismatch, and so he throws it up so his guy can go up and get it. Worst case scenario, it's incomplete, right? But instead, McMillan skies and makes the catch. Extra point is good. They review it, and it, listen. Based on the angle they showed on ESPN, I could see why some may think he went out of bounds, but there was no definitive look, and so it stands. It's not a play that's confirmed. It stands. And again, you know, with with a thousand cameras out there these days, I don't know how we can't see that. And again, he may have stayed in bounds, but it appeared that as he was kind of repositioning himself, that uh, he did uh, step on the white line. But. There's no definitive look to prove that, right? And, of course, if you're a Mississippi State guy, you're saying, oh, he's out. If you're a Arizona guy, you're saying, oh, he's in. Either way, the referees ruled him in. It's a touchdown. Extra point's good. It's 21-all with 9-14 to play. This kind of stuff, it aggravates you, man. You start thinking, how in the world are we in this position? All right, so we need to go make something happen. And I think this is what we do here. I think we just said, you know, we'll go win us a football game. Well, Rogers one of the most prolific passers in the history of the Southeastern Conference. You got sometimes you got to let Will do what he does. This is what we do on this drive. First and ten from our twenty-five, we go empty and uh, we complete that ball to Tulu and gets thirty-seven. Kind of a silly frustration play here, and uh, Isaiah Taylor hits Tulu probably a step and a half, two steps into the white. Attack on fifteen yards. Now it's down to the Arizona 23, and you start thinking, okay, at the very least, we'll take the lead. We needed to get a touchdown here, guys. And I don't know why we just didn't let Will run the, run the show. That's the thing I look at here, and I think, about it. in this situation here, when you have them on the ropes, and you've got, okay, there's this big emotional release, oh, we're finally tied, and you come right back and you counter punch, and you've got them on their heels, keep them on their heels. I'd go tempo here. Let Will do it, let Will call the plays, right? First and 10 through 23, we run right with Woody for six. Brings up a second four from the 17. We go back to Woody for one. Big third and three, we call timeout. I was glad we did. There was no need to rush. That's why they give you timeouts, right? Let's talk about this. And we come out of that, and we run for a two-yard loss. And that's not a reflection of Woody. There was absolutely nothing there. Arizona ate this play up. And so you want to talk about play calling. I can get down with you on this one. Because on third and three, and yeah, you want to get – see, a lot of times in these situations, and, uh, you know, playing for Coach Bowser, it's one of the things he used to always talk about. It's not always about a play call. It's about what do we do to get the hand, the ball in the hands of a guy that can make a play for us. Okay, well, we accomplished that here, but we didn't really put him in a situation where he could be successful. Period. You know, this, this is the one play call I look at and say, again, I don't know what the play was called. I don't know what the net result was. One of the most significant plays in the ballgame. We go backwards two yards. I didn't like it. And again, give Arizona some credit. You know, they got penetration, made some things happen. Fourth and five, field goal attempt is good. State's back ahead, 24-21. You're relieved to be ahead, but you feel like, again, you're kind of unfulfilled. That's how it felt to me. It's like, okay, I'm happy to be back on top, but we got to give the football back to these guys, and they've got some juice. 24-21 24-21 with 6.47 to play. Delora is complete to Tanner McLaughlin again. Eight yards out to the Arizona 33. Second two, they're complete to McMillan again, and he's the dude. He is. Who else would you dial up here? Cowan? Yeah, maybe. But uh, Cowan gets a lot of attention. McMillan's a specially, special, gifted athlete. It really is. Uh, second two, of course, it's complete. And then first and ten, delora rushes off left side for a two-yard gain uh second and eight jacob cowing little puff pass to him gets three. Third and five and um pretty crazy situation here right he did hook cowing coming out of the break and so they call it holding instead of pi because the, the ball wasn't catch even for a fat guy like cowing um But, yeah, DKM's got to do a better job there. You can get your hands on him. You just can't hook him. May have even actually negated a big play. But it brings up first and ten, and they're across midfield now, and you think, okay, Dolores thinking, okay, this is it. This is the destiny drive, right? This is my moment of, you know, redemption after last year's game and having a bad first half. Forces the action here. Batted away by DeCarlos Nicholson, who played really good in the second half. Played in place of Furge, and I think maybe that's the starting lineup next week. Um, And then Judge Johnson plucks it out of the air for a second pick of the game and returns it three yards. And this right here, guys, this should have been it. This should have been it. Yes, Arizona had three timeouts to work with. You got the four-minute offense. You got to salt this game away. This should have been it. The big defensive play, you've taken the lead, you get the stop. Four-minute offense. This should have been the curtain call. But it wasn't. We run Woody off the right side for four. You're letting it run down, let it run down. We bring Mike Wright in the game. And uh, I'll tell you this, and I said this on Bo Bounce Show earlier we've got to let Mike Wright throw the football. Arizona completely sold out. Uh, Johnny Nansen, uh, he's made his mind up and said, you know what? If this kid's going to beat us, he's going to beat us throwing the football. Every linebacker on the Arizona defense, every time Mike Wright was on the field, fit a gap. They brought an all-out blitz every time Mike Wright got on the field. Every single time. We've gotten predictable with it. We have. And next thing you know, it's a three-yard loss. Mike had no chance on this play. And If you go back and look, when you watch on the DVR, every single time Mike Wright is on the field, every time, Arizona goes all out blitz. They do. And the way that you negate that is you have him throw the football, right? You give him some quick hitters. You have him throw that inside slant. You have him hit somebody in an angle route or you run a screen. You've got to use people's aggressiveness. And it's funny you think, you know, Mike Wright was a starting quarterback for two years at Vanderbilt. But in this offense, it's pretty clear that maybe we're setting up something for later, but any time that we had Mike in the ball game, Arizona was determined to make it a negative play, and more times than not, they did. All right, third and nine, we bring Rodgers back in, and it's incomplete, and they uh, they they flag us for holding and decline it. So we got to get the ball back to him. So, again, every bit of this I look at, and look, I get it. You bring Mike Wright in thinking, you know what, let's just kind of salt this game away. And maybe you don't want to put the ball in the air, but the reality of it is is that uh, the way that Arizona was defensing us, I think maybe you keep Will out there. I do. Because based on what they were doing. I think that's an in game adjustment you gotta make. We punt thirty seven yard punt and I'm gonna just be honest with you guys, we're not getting enough out of the punting game. And and like you say, well it's thirty seven yards. Yeah, I get it. I get it. But thirty seven yards is not enough. Late in a ball game like this where you're trying to flip the field, that's just not significant. That you know, in special teams it's been good. The punting aspect of it is just we have been mediocre. And net punting. It's just two games. And I understand you got freshmen and you new guys out there, but the, the punting situation has to improve. Arizona takes over with 236 to go. Full time timelines available. Uh, Dolores complete the McMillan. And again, you know, right here, you thought we were going to lose the ball game, didn't you? They hit McMillan. He gets loose of 49 yards. He gets pushed out of bounds. He goes the distance, but he was out. He knew it. Everybody else did too. Uh, maybe a few Arizona fans kind of tucked away on the opposite corner. They probably didn't have a good vantage point. But uh, it felt like we are in trouble. It's like you played this game and you let these guys hang around and here it is. And DeLora now, everything all, all the sins of earlier have been forgiven. right? Just go win the game, kid. And here he is with a big, big play. And, I, and McMillan, absolutely wide open. Absolutely wide open. First and 10 from our 27, one of the most significant plays in the ballgame. And it's Jed Johnson. And, yep, Buki sets the edge, and Jed knives through Michael Wiley. And, again, he's, been a, he's a big part of things. Very talented player. And you know Jed is completely gassed. You know it. Been on the field forever. And somehow, some way, Jed Johnson finds, like, an extra gear, and he knives through the hole and hits Wiley for a three-yard loss. It's very significant because it puts them behind the chains here. You say, Steve, it's just three yards. Yeah, it's yeah, it's really not, though. They get a positive play there, and you get a manageable second down. All of a sudden, your play call defensively changes. But you put them in, in second and 13, you can run some cloud coverage here and keep guys in front of you. Third and one, excuse me, second and 13, uh, Delora gets loose and uh, gets it out to Jacob Cowing, And uh, again, Jet Johnson. Make it a tackle, just short the line to the game. Makes it third and one. And uh, they decide to run a little zone read action here. And <laughs> Michael Wiley and Jaden Delar both got tackled. The state defense just envelops them and engulfs them. And there's a one-yard loss on the play. But again, that scenario never unfolds without two back-to-back plays from Jed Johnson. And of course, it's a team game. But you put them in an obvious passing situation in second and 13. You play cloud, keep them in front of you. Force a third down play, give your big front a chance to make some plays, and they do. Arizona lets the clock wind down, and a lot of people question, you know, why did we not call timeouts here, you know, to give ourselves a chance to avoid overtime? I, you know, I don't know. It depends on how you want to manage things. But the reality of it is is I think that um, I think you're just going to leave the pressure on them, you know, because worst-case scenario, you're tied and head to overtime. So the field goal from Tyler Loop is good, which most of them are fantastic kicker and now it's 24 24 state gets the ball with uh five seconds to play we take the knee and uh we get ready to head to overtime arizona wins the toss again they like to go on defense and uh will picks the student section which is always the right play because our students do a tremendous job and uh tip of the cap to all of our students that State to the very end just about everybody did it was a, such an exciting game so we get going here, and uh, Will takes off and runs, and it's negated by a holding call. Makes it first and 20 from the Arizona 35. Right now you're thinking, we're saying good. This is not good, especially with the Tyler Loop as their kicker. It's like if they get a stop here, you know, they could just basically run run off tackle for three plays and kick a field goal. And, and as good as Loop is, he might just walk out there and knock it through on the first play. You wouldn't do that, but he's, that, he's good. It's not good, man. You start thinking first and 20, and uh, we get it out to Woody for six, which makes it second and 14. What's your play call here on second and 14? Well, you actually kind of work off some of the action you've set up, that fly action, right? So you bring Woody, put the two-back set, you have Woody, the right-back offset go in motion left, as if you're going to swing it back out to him, which you've done multiple times in the game. And Will said in postgame, he looked up and they 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 had nobody out on the right hand side. He goes, I look up and like all the backers on the inside, you know, the, the the safeties on the inside. Maldonado goes with Woody in man coverage. We had three offensive linemen out there and only one got a block. And I think as Will said, we don't know if we ever touched him, and we didn't. We couldn't get to him, and he couldn't get to us either. But you pumped that little swing-out pass to Woody, reset the feet, and hit Jeffrey Pittman for the screen. And guys, there was nothing but green grass and glory in front of Jeffrey Pippen. And uh, great job of him anticipating contact at the very end, right? The safety's coming over, and uh, he kind of dives back towards the left so he's not forced out of bounds here. And it's a touchdown, first uh, touchdown for Jeffrey Pittman. An incredible play, great addition to our team. Extra points good. It's 31-24, and you know now there's, we just got to get a stop. We just got to get a stop. And maybe because we were so emotional in the moment, we didn't realize that all three plays that preceded that crazy play at the end were all incompletions. Incomplete to Jacob Cowan. Chris Keys. gets a hand in there. Chris, I the guy that's having to play a little bit because Hunter Washington I did not return after making a big hit early in the ballgame. They get Cowan wide open. And again, give Fish and the guys credit, and Delora dismisses him wide. And Cowan, I'll tell you, he should have had the football. He probably should have. Both guys will take the blame for that. If he catches it, it's probably a different scenario playing out. Third and 10, this ball is a little bit behind McMillan. He wanted a flag. There was absolutely no chance of flag, nor should there have been ball was uncatchable the gets credit for the PBU here uh, and that's the thing you go back earlier you know Dcam gets called for the hold on Cowing, and it was right he didn't pout he didn't jump up and down and then here he is here in a game type game situation late it's a little bit of contact it's just two guys making a play and uh, the ball's thrown a little bit off target because Buki's in Dolores' face there was there was no chance of, the, of a pass interference penalty there shouldn't have been. And I want to go ahead and say, get this out in front of this. Uh, I commend the Pac-12 officials for getting this right. Because I don't know. It would have been real easy just to say, you know what, the call stands. That would have been easy to say and say, you know what, we're not going to determine the outcome of this ballgame. We're going to let the kids sell it on the field. And you could argue we, they did sell on the field, uh, and you guys missed the call, and that's what review is there for. But it would have been very easy for this Pac-12 crew that has been uh, muchly maligned to say, you know what? I'm not making this call. DeLara is flushed and chased and chased and chased and then decides just to take off and go. And he runs with the ball in his right hand as a right-hander, right? That proved to be Significant. He didn't switch the ball to the left side when he hit the left sidelines. And maybe he's not comfortable running with the football under that arm. I don't know. But as he is running ahead for, you know, forever, it seemed, is credited for nine yards. I think he ran 37 yards. I think that's right. Deshaun Page kind of trips him up a little bit, and he's stumbling forward, and Marcus Banks comes up, not a big hit, but Banks comes up, initiates some contact. And, uh, again, it, it all kind of works hand in hand. He may have gone down just based off the of Deshaun Page uh, getting a paw on him. But the left elbow is down short of the line of the game. Now, Jordan Rodgers sometimes, I, I think he and I are watching different games. Like, he's like, oh, I think the chains are actually at the 14 and a half. Well, no, Jordan, they're not because it's overtime. And the possession starts at the 25-yard line. In the game of football, you have to achieve 10 yards in order to earn a first down. So if we start at the 25, you got to get to the 15. And, and listen, I know some of you guys like Jordan Rodgers, and have a crush on him, or whatever. Uh, I think he's among the worst. I don't. I go back and watch a replay of the game, and like, there's so many times in that ball game. I thought, what is he talking about? What? What is he talking about? At least he could do is mention the Muscadine Ripple ice cream or something and find something productive to say. There was no chance that the the chains were ahead of the 15. It's just not within the the scope of the rules of football. But nevertheless, elbow down and the ball is under the right arm kind of tucked against the chest. So because everybody's focused on like the, the left elbow, it's not where the elbow was. It's where the ball is as the elbow touches. The left elbow is slightly short of the line. The football is well short of the line. It was an easy call, and I, I've, I've seen some of these fake media people on Twitter. Oh, Arizona was hosed. No, they weren't. It was an exciting end of a game, one that I'll probably never forget. But Jake DeLauro was down, short of line the grain, and the officials from his own conference confirmed that. It wasn't like it was SEC officials trying to protect an SEC member. It was the right call. And uh, Jaden DeLara is an absolute warrior. The fact that he even made the game as close as it did is a testament to him and his teammates. Absolutely is. All right, looking at some individual numbers here, we, we spent a lot of time talking about this. DeLara, 32 of 46. Uh, State caught four of those passes. 342 yards, two touchdowns and the course of four picks, and sacked just once, and that's when we ran him out of bounds. He also ran for 44 yards. That's what he's credited with. I think he ran about 250 yards. The kid's incredible. Uh, Michael Wiley credited with 33 yards rushing on 11 carries. Uh, Rayshon Luke, two for 11. Wide receiver-wise, McMillan, big game, eight for 161. Of course, the the two big ones, the 55-yarder to uh, set up a score, and then, um, you know, they had the other big play. I guess it was 55 yards as well or something like that. Yeah, 55 was too long. It's nuts. But McMillan was the dude. Michael Wiley ate for 60, and that's kind of a control thing. Jacob Cowing, we do a great job with him, I don't, and I'm sure he hates to see us coming. Uh, seven for 31, and one of those ones was the touchdown for 17 yards. So you back that away, just six catches for 14 yards. You know, so State does a really good job defensing Cowan for sure. On the Mississippi State side of things, of course, uh, Woody Marks, 123-yard rush, and that's back-to-back big games for Woody. And remember, he missed half of the fourth quarter. Will Rogers in a very efficient 13 of 17, 162 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, Sacked twice. It felt like he was more than that because there were a couple times we had just threw a ball away. But uh, one time, Will does a great job of baiting pressure and getting it out to Woody. But, guys, we got to get we got to get Will more involved. And, again, maybe that was part of the game plan. I don't know. Or maybe Will's checking into some plays that he sees. But, you know, we were gashing them early. But I don't know why with a beat-up Arizona secondary, we didn't test the secondary a little bit more. Now, the argument's always, why throw it when you can just run it, right? Well, there were some times we had some opportunities to make plays, and we didn't. Uh, Seth Davis, five carries for 34. Simeon Price, one for eight. Jeff Pittman, just three for four. But, of course, uh, the big touchdown there in overtime. Right? Uh, Tula Griffin, five catches for 83 a pair of touchdowns. Woody Marks, four for 32. And uh, Jeffrey Simeon, Jayden, and Jaden, uh, and Justin Robinson all with a catch apiece. Uh, Got to get those wide receivers more involved, if you ask me. You said, well, Steve, we won a ball game. Yeah, yeah but it shouldn't have been close, right? Uh, Looking at some defensive numbers, you could make an argument, you could make a case for several guys on the Mississippi State defense for being nominated for the SEC Defensive Player of the Week. I don't know who wins it, but Jed Johnson certainly deserves to be nominated. 11 total tackles, two TFLs, one sack, and two interceptions. There's not going to be a lot of people that fill up the box score quite like that. Bookie Watson, 10 tackles, also an inter- inter- interception. Decam, um, nine tackles, pass breakup, and uh, State in their face all day. I mean, discredited with a handful of hurries, but State uh, you know, in quarterback hurries is probably the most inconsistently kept stat, stat of all time. But uh, State getting some hands on some footballs What's it eight, nine pass breakups, a pretty good effort there, right? We're getting our hands on some footballs. Uh, So yeah, good win for State, but again, some teachable moments here, for sure. And some things from a coaching standpoint, we got to do better. Some things we simply have to do better to put our young men in a position to go make plays. It's time for today's top 10 list, as always, brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R.com. Blair Chandler is a mortgage professional, and days like these, you need somebody that knows how to navigate through the labyrinth of mortgage origination. If anybody can get you to the closing table, it is Blair Chandler. And uh, it seems like I got a weekly update. Hey, new approval on a boneyard loan? New closing on a boneyard lawn, so it's clearly working out well for uh, for Blair and for you guys. So, this is a guy that's been in the industry 22 years, back-to-back-to-back close ratio. As I mentioned, it's now permissible under state law for a, a donor, or excuse me, a, uh, a customer uh, to borrow, a borrower, that's probably the better term to use, uh, at the age of 18, provided they have a co-signer. Blair can walk you through that too. It's probably something you may want to consider if you've got some young people in your life that are going to be renting or perhaps uh, getting a a start at life. You can assist them with that and build some equity. And get all the details from Blair at 601-500-2344. Again, 601-500-2344. You never know when life's going to happen to you. And it, it pays to have somebody with the experience that can help you get through this. Uh, as quickly and as expediently as possible. That's Blair Chandler at closewithblair.com. Okay, we're going to do late 80s, early 90s um, pop synth band, one of the legendary bands, from across the pond. We're going to do New Order. They were actually founded in 1980. They were kind of a contemporary of Depeche Mode. Uh, They toured for a while, took about a five-year hiatus, took a break, and now they're back. And uh, you guys, there's there's a lot of songs that you know from them, but maybe you don't know the name of them. But uh, this is pretty crazy. This is a band, too. Many of you remember Joy Division, right? You remember those guys? So Joy Division was kind of like, in many respects, kind of the mother love bone of the modern synth pop genre, And then Ian Curtis committed suicide. And then New Order kind of arose from the ashes of Joy Division. Absolutely great band. Here's your top 10 New Order tracks. Number 10 is The Perfect Kiss. The Perfect Kiss, number 10. Now, speaking of kissing, I kissed my wife goodbye for a few days earlier. Uh, And um, it seems like everybody that stopped me at Davis Wade Stadium said, hey, Dana's doing a great job with the top 10 list. We'd like to hear more from her. Well, I'll tell you this. This is not a reflection of her. She did do a great job on the Nirvana list if such a job can be done. But uh, some people were suggesting that Nirvana was going to be the most listened to playlist of all time in the history of the Boneyard. We've been doing this for over three years. Poison is still number one. Guys, Nirvana did not even crack the top 25. So the point remains... And I've said it many times on this show. There were a lot of people that say, hey, you know, hey, Nirvana, they're this, but you don't want to listen to them. The list didn't do well. Roy was shocked. I saw Roy and Elsa and some of their friends waiting around to get a picture of Will Rogers after the ball game on Saturday. And he goes, hey, man, I don't know how you're going to take this, but the Nirvana list tanked. Well, I don't think it's about the presenter, I think it's about the product itself. Dana did a good job. Nirvana, again, not, not what many of you have made them out to be. So you can go down to Spencer's Gifts and you can get you some cheap t-shirt, you know, with the smiley face, with the bullet hole between the eyes, and you can walk around and understand that not everybody supports it. Our Soundgarden list, much better. Our Pearl Jam list did much better. Our Alice in Chains list did much better. Most of our 80s rock covers, much better. So there's a bit of a satisfaction, I guess, uh, with that. I mean, I supported the list. I tweeted it out, put it on Facebook like we always do. Uh, you guys just didn't listen to it. You just didn't listen to it. I, New Order might actually do better than Nirvana. I'm interested to see. Number nine on your list of New Order tracks, The Vanishing Point. And some people believe this is one of the best songs on their best album of Temptation. And maybe it is. I don't agree with that. but I know a lot of people really dig the track. And there's a thing, too, it's, there's some, you know, some parallels, obviously, between the Joy Division, New Order, Nirvana, Foo Fighters type tree right there, right? So you had a band, of course, that emerged uh, from Nirvana after Kurt Cobain's suicide and Dave Grohl doing a great job with the Foo's, one of the biggest headliners in the country today when it comes to rock music. All right, number eight, Round and Round. No, it's not the cover of the Rat Track, but uh, it is more dancey than some of the other stuff. A lot of up-tempo stuff in a New Order catalog. Uh, I dig them. I don't like them as much as Depeche Mode. I don't. I'll just go ahead and say it for you. I don't. I like the edge of Depeche Mode. I like Dave Gahan's voice better. But uh, New Order, still kind of a global sensation. Still selling out arenas over the world. Number eight, a song that's a, a little bit of a love song which uh, really doesn't match the rest of the catalog. That's one of the things I dig about it, but it's Thieves Like Us. You know, it talks about being thick as thieves, right? It's really about you and your significant other, you know. And so I hope that's really the bond that you share. Number six, kind of throwing it back in a different direction, it's The Age of Consent. That's number six. I will not expound upon that. Number five, one of the best synth pop songs of my generation. It's a song called Regret, and you're going to know it as soon as you hear it. You can see I never knew it was New Order. I never knew that was the name of the song, but it's Regret. Number five, I could make a case this probably should be a little bit higher. Number four is Temptation, the title track, again, off what many consider the best album of New Order catalog. I think you'll dig that one a lot. Number three is a song that you have heard a million times, and you probably didn't know the name of it. It's Bizarre Love Triangle. That's number three, a crowd favorite. Number two, there's a lot of these two that, uh, again, you know them and they've been covered by so many people, you may have forgotten who the originators are, but uh, here's one that I think is very important. It's Blue Monday. Yeah, and a lot of people have covered it, but I don't know that anybody has done it as well as New Order. I like the covers, and there's been a lot of rock bands that have done it too, because a lot of people in modern rock, especially with industrial sound, kind of claim a lineage from New Order. But number one for me, and maybe you're different, this was a huge hit on MTV. It's a great song, True Faith. And of course, the video begins with uh, like two people slapping each other back and forth to the drum beat. But uh, that's it. Number one on the New Order Top 10, True Faith. Be sure and check that out. True Faith. Number 10, again, just kind of running back, Perfect Kiss, Vanishing Point, Round and Round, Thieves Like Us, Age of Consent, Regret, Temptation, Bizarre Love Triangle, Blue Order, and True Faith. But again, so many recognizable songs that maybe you've heard a million times in your youth. You just didn't know who sang them. You didn't know the name of them. Well, now you do. So there you go. A band we hadn't done before. Happy to do it. And uh, we're going to have a pretty special one on Wednesday. And I think this is one that could possibly uh, maybe make a challenge for the top 25. One of the most iconic front men in the history of American rock music. We're going to do a covers list, songs that he and his band covered. And some of you may be able to figure that out, but I'm not going to tell you. So Wednesday, a special list. I know you guys dig the covers. This particular band, this iconic frontman, one of the albums that he did with his, uh, with his legendary band was essentially a covers album. Didn't start out that way, but the band was somewhat disjointed. The next thing you know, the next album they did was uh, one of the most iconic albums in the history of American music. So Wednesday, there's your teaser for that. Final segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmark, a, a Starkvillian institution. Next time you're in town, go by and see them and their smiling faces. Uh, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie, so many great people up there doing a great job for a great fan base. Very easy to get to, neatly positioned on the backside of campus. You could swing in off of 82, 182, excuse me. You know, you've seen that trooper station there. Just take that turn right there. Go by the Trooper Station, and right before you get to campus, right there on the left is Campus Bookmark. Go by and check them out—the greatest selection of Mississippi State merchandise in the universe. If you can't make it to town, or perhaps game day is not the best shopping day for you, check them out at CampusBookmark.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays—that is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson—and that'll get you free shipping on all orders over seventy-five bucks. Any order less than seventy-five bones, absolutely incomplete. We had a pretty good week on our picks as far as straight up. The spread, though, ooh, man, tough. But I think your good friend and host is going to be in good shape before this is all said and done. Wake Forest takes care of Vanderbilt at 36-20. We took Wake in the points. We win there. Georgia beats Ball State 45-3. to We took the spread there. The f- spread was 42. So don't tell me that these teams and coaches aren't aware of the spread. They are. And when they can hit it, they do. Kentucky, and so many people, again, can not tell you how great Kentucky is? Guys, they beat Eastern Kentucky 28-17. There are problems offensively at Kentucky. And who would have thought that Eastern Kentucky, the Colonels, put up 17 in Lexington. So 28-17 winners. So Kentucky wins. And I think that was a no-line game until uh, the end. But not a good showing. And if you're Kentucky, you got to be a little bit concerned. You struggled a little bit against Ball State. You took care of business in the second half. you got a joke of a non-conference schedule. What is this team going to do in SEC play? Really glad they're coming to Starkville this year. Ole Miss, 37-20 winners over Tulane. This was a good game. This, this was a good game. Okay, it was. Much like we expected, though, Ole Miss just simply has more talent. Not surprised to see how he ended up. Of course, uh, Pratt didn't play for Tulane, which kind of made a difference, which a lot of Mississippi State fans like, well, if Pratt plays, Tulane wins. I I don't know about that. I just think Ole Miss is too big and physical for Tulane. But the Tulane defensive line beat up the Ole Miss offensive line. And if you're an Ole Miss fan, you should be rightly concerned about that offensive line. When you get an SEC play, it's not going to be a bunch of G5 guys. It's going to be some sure enough war daddies. That's going to be a real issue. And we, a lot of people thought Quinshawn Judkins can be the SEC player of the year. And maybe he could be, but I just don't know about the uh, the offensive line at all Miss paving the way for that. A&M upset by Miami, and the game really wasn't close. Probably gives you a little bit of uh, optimism if you're a Bulldog. A&M goes to Miami. I picked A&M, and Miami wins 48-33. It's a good win for Miami. Not great for Jimbo. Because you think about, you know, the gauntlet they got a March in the SEC, and you're already dropping it on conference game. I picked these guys to be 8-4 and four and be a game better than Mississippi State in the bowl pecking order. I didn't anticipate them dropping Miami. So, a and a little cause for concern. Arkansas, 28, Kent State, 6. Listen, I don't know if they're fully utilizing the strengths of K.J. Jefferson. Of course, Rocket didn't play, right? And so if Rocket plays, you'd like to think it'd be a blowout. But there, you know, we talk about what's going on at Mississippi State. It's because we're so acutely aware of what's happening at Mississippi State. But Arkansas offensively has not been what we expected them to be. And again, you got to take into account that Rocket didn't play. But 28-6, to I just don't know if Danny Enos knows how to use K.J. Jefferson, who I think is a star. How about this tennessee beats austin p the governors 30 to 13 i expected a much bigger blowout i thought tennessee would stretch their legs a little bit they did not and this was still a game late in the second half still a game but tennessee gets some separation late kind of the difference in the strength and condition programs take over texas Goes to Tuscaloosa and beats Alabama. So congratulations to Steve Sarkeesian and the Longhorns. Is Texas back? Maybe. Alabama has quarterback issues. They had this quarterback competition throughout the spring and early fall camp, and a lot of people thought, well, okay, it's settled. We talked about that on the show. So many people are talking about Will Rogers having to do some things that maybe he's not comfortable doing. They didn't even factor into the fact. Everybody's like, hey, Alabama should contend for an NFL championship. They didn't know who the quarterback was. They got some issues. They do. 34 points. And uh, when have you seen an Alabama secondary give up as many big shots as they did against Texas? Uh, Quinn Ewers, a great job over there. They almost pulled it off Middle Tennessee State. We picked Middle Tennessee State to cover against Missouri. And they did cover. Missouri... 23-19, to 19. wouldn't it be a great year to play Missouri? We're not going to. But, again, this is a Missouri team. I don't know what to make of them. I mean, you've got some offensive skill. you got a veteran quarterback. But they can't score, and they can't stop people from scoring. A lot of people thought, well, you know, they'll, they'll be back on track. I think Eli Drinkwitz is in trouble. LSU, in their first meeting ever against Grambling, which, again, is a shame. It is. But they right the wrong, and then they go out there and just absolutely destroy Grambling 72-10. Do we know anything about LSU? I don't think we do. I know a lot of people are still hung up on the Florida State game because you can't tell anything about a team uh, when they beat an FCS opponent. They lose, obviously, you can you can figure out a lot. But guys, this ball game, this scrambling LSU game after one, it was fourteen to ten LSU, and then the rest of the way LSU shuts them out, you know, outscoring them fifty eight to nothing. But it's interesting, you know, hey. You look up midway through the first quarter at seven-seven. You're just like, okay. Then the next thing you know, it's fourteen to seven. Then it's fourteen to ten. Yeah, pretty crazy stuff. Jaden Daniels goes eighteen of twenty-four, five touchdown tosses. Uh, Garrett Nussmeyer gets in the game late, four of six. Uh, Diggs has hundred and fifteen yards for Alabama. Perhaps, excuse me, for LSU. They were really struggling. To find a true running threat, maybe one is emerging, but they kind of did it by committee. They had four running backs that all got six or more carries. Diggs got the most with 15, and they got to find some. How is LSU not have a star running back? Is John Emery like on a milk carton somewhere? I mean, what what has happened there? Malik Neighbors five catches for 87 yards and touchdowns. So kind of, and we'll again we'll preview LSU uh, considerably as the week goes on. But, again, you can tell nothing about that game against Grambling. All due respect to Grambling and the ghost of Eddie Robinson, uh, LSU basically kind of goes through the motions to win the ballgame because the talent differential is just ridiculous. Florida, 49-7 winners over McNeese State. We expected that. And, and good for Florida to kind of get out there and you know be able to kind of get their legs under them a little bit because things were so herky-jerky against Utah. and give Utah some credit for that. But Florida goes home in the swamp. They take care of business. Of course, Mississippi State wins 31-24 in overtime over Arizona. Furman gives South Carolina all they want. I said the South Carolina team is a 500 team. I've seen no evidence at this point to change my mind. I think South Carolina, again, will go as far as Spencer Rattler will take them. But he does not have much help around him. I know you look up there and say, well, Steve, it's 47-21. Guys, did you, did you keep up with this game at all? I mean, honestly. You know, late in the second quarter, they start kind of pulling away a little bit. In the second half, they had their way with them. But it's 27-14 at the break. And a lot of that is because of, um, as, I, as I'm looking here, uh, a lot of it's because they scored late. It was 20-14 to in favor of South Carolina. And so basically the last play that they run some two minute of offense and they score to get some separation before the break. Again, with a with a minute or two to go in this half, it's a one score game. How good is South Carolina? I don't think we know. But I think there's a lot of room for optimism if you're a Mississippi State fan to think, you know, we got a chance to go over there. But again, it's a mobile quarterback. That's been kind of our, our kryptonite in recent years. Auburn 14-10 winners over Cal. Uh, talked to my buddy Jason Caldwell earlier today. They just couldn't get out of their own way. Just 10-17 of 17 passing. That's not good. Fumbled on the very first drive. 94 yards passing. Uh, Jarquez Hunter plays. There was some speculation earlier this year that he may not. Uh, he was the leading rusher. 11 carries for 53 yards. But as a team, just not much going on offensively at all. And they win the game 14-10. Not an impressive show. And that was a question I asked Jason. What in the world has happened to the offense at Auburn? Again, this is a team that is, you know, kind of talent deficient due to some losses in the portal. And uh, they went out and signed some big receivers out of the portal, but they have not been able to get those guys going. I think a lot of that, too, is... You know, you can be big and physical, but you also have to be athletic. And I don't know if these guys really are. And uh, as Jason said, there's a lot of discussion about them using more of their slot guys and try to get quicker and faster and more athletic on the field. Uh, so we'll see. But Auburn's two and zero. You know, Auburn's two and zero. Beginning of the year, I wasn't sure if Auburn could go to Cal and win. I convinced myself otherwise after a week's worth of uh, watching football. But uh, that, that's your dub. Uh, kind of getting a quick look ahead here next week and again we'll preview this in depth on friday but looking at week three and again hey it only gets tougher from here of course lsu is at mississippi state kansas state's in missouri if you're kansas state you gotta like that matchup south carolina's at georgia if you're south carolina you can't like that alabama's at south florida which they'll probably run all over those guys uo monroe is at Texas a and m tennessee is at florida remember when that used to be the game of the year samford's at auburn Vandy is at UNLV, Georgia Tech's at Ole Miss, BYU is at Arkansas, Akron's at Kentucky. So, should be some interesting games. A lot of conference matchups, a lot to look forward to. Should be our best weekend of football to date. And we'll see how it goes. Uh, LSU uh, currently favored by 10 over Mississippi State. We'll watch that line closely. I've got a lot of friends, as you guys know, down in Baton Rouge, and uh, even got some uh, relatives. On my wife's side of the family, they're always like, hey, you know, I don't know why LSU is favored as much as they are. Well, I think a lot of it's just because of just talent. You know, the LSU, one-stop recruiting teams in the country, they always have talent. So we'll see. We got, our, we got our hands cut up. We got our work cut out for us, right? What in the world? Hands cut? Come on, give me a break, Steve. Yeah, we got our work cut out for us. I mentioned to you guys, too, before we get out of here, it was a big recruiting weekend uh, over the weekend. Big, big recruiting weekend. Maybe you've kept up. Maybe you haven't. So let me get you up to speed here. And you can go read these articles for free over at jeanspage.com. Nice commitments in all three major sports. Let's run it down for you if we can. Let's see here. Ja'Cory, why did we talked about him recently? Mentioned him. I do that, uh, what's next, from Mississippi State article. Uh, Ja'Cory, why did It's a guy we mentioned. It could be the next guy to commit. He was. Four-star tight end, Uh, and dare I say it, dare I say it? I'll just go ahead and say it. I like him better than Jay Lindsay. I know a lot of people are like, "What I really wanted, Jay. I wanted to be Alabama for a kid." Listen, great young man. I think Jacory Whitehead's a better athlete. or Whitehead, excuse me, is a better athlete. I like the trade. I think if you had told me beginning of the year this is how it worked out, I would feel pretty happy about that. Kind of reminds me of that deal where we wanted Miles Mason we passed on miles mason remember that and he ends up moving on from arkansas maybe you've forgotten we got aaron brulee in the deal right aaron brulee was in georgia and he was who we wanted initially anyway so to me this is similar to that i think hey would i have been happy with Lindsay? yes i'm happier with your white you know again maybe you see it differently but that's how i see it okay eli walker out of uh gulfport By way of Jones College, has committed to play Mississippi State baseball. He'll be a 2024 kid. He'll spend this year at Jones, and he'll enroll. Big, strong, strapping right-hander, throwing 92, 95. Things have really taken off for him. Uh, Not sure what he's going to be. State finds out about him, has him come in and throw for the staff. Next thing you know, kid's committed. Grew up in an Ole Miss family. Both grandfathers played uh, football at Ole Miss, had an uncle played baseball at Ole Miss. His dad played tennis at Ole Miss. Mom went to Ole Miss, but said, you know what, growing up and kind of seeing Miles Gentry and Jonathan Holder and what they accomplished at Mississippi State, he just said, hey, state baseball's different. State baseball's different. So he's headed to Starkville and uh, happy to have it for sure. And then uh, in addition to that, you know it's pretty crazy. Think about this: but uh, uh, Delquan Warren, a four-star point guard, commits to Chris Jans. So he, over the weekend, State gets a four-star tight end, uh, gets a big-time pitching prospect that we, we like a lot out of Jones, and then on top of that, you get a four-star point guard for Chris Jans. So you get a big dub. We also had a couple baseball scrimmages, and so on Wednesday, I'm going to give you guys, I'm going to bring you guys up to speed on what I saw Wednesday or, or Friday and Sunday. At duty noble field so we'll talk about that some on wednesday show today was going to be awful but we had a lot going on now if you're going to be in town for the lsu game this weekend we don't have times yet but we will have a scrimmage both friday and sunday afternoon and of course football 11 a.m saturday so if you're going to come to town and chances are you're going to be here anyway uh, for football you got to come friday night you're getting off work early maybe leave a little bit early guys and come enjoy the scrimmage get up go to baseball, and go, excuse me, go to football, let's beat LSU, and then maybe if you're hanging around all weekend, maybe you had to get the two-night minimum deal at the hotel, maybe get a condo here, spend the whole weekend with us in Starkville. It was a good time, and uh, my wife is like, I got to go back to work to get some rest, because she's, you're working me to death, taking all these pictures, going all these games, you know, I, I run a tight ship, I do. But uh, full coverage of that, and uh, more times than not, we're the only game in town covering fall baseball, so that's VIP content. You need to be a member at jeanspage.com to see that. But uh, we'll give you a little bit of a primer on Wednesday, kind of what I've seen, what I like so far. And, of course, just two games, only so much you can tell. But uh, I can tell you there are some young bats that are standing out, and there are some old arms that are coming back. And so, again, it's fall baseball, but uh, it's still baseball. So it's good to see those guys get out and swing it around and throw it around pretty good. So uh, full update on that come Wednesday. All right, let's get out of here. If you had not done so, go to whenthebottomfalls.com. That's whenthebottomfalls.com. And you can order my newest book that will be out next month and uh, all the sports books. That's Alpha Dog, Stark Villains, Flim Flam, uh, Dogpile. Every Bulldog fan in the world needs a copy of Dogpile, even if you don't read. You need that because at some point you want to go back and relive that national championship year, and uh, you know 10, 15, 20 years from now your grandkids are going to be old enough to appreciate that. They may want to read it, but you need to have that as a keepsake, a pile. And uh, again, I appreciate so much the support. I have so many people that come up to me and say, hey, "Steve, I've got all your books." You know what that means to me. Uh, I spend a lot of time pecking away at this keyboard, a lot, and so uh, it's pretty cool that uh, you guys are paying attention. And uh, when the bottom falls we'll have it out to you soon i mean it's it's like we're just everything's typeset now we're just kind of waiting for the uh you know for things to get printed and then we'll have your books that's exciting and then i don't know when the next one is i know we talked about doing one next year we know we'll see you know we'll see i get i get lonely sometimes around here but with a new business opening up uh who knows how much time i'll have but uh maybe just write it there on site and for those of you that uh don't know the uh my wife's business which is our business but she'll be the face of that, is a company called true rest you can go to truerest.com and learn more about float therapy it's amazing uh we were talking about that a while ago i'm the kind of person i'm always engaged i'm always doing this i've always got somebody with expectations pulling on me everybody needs this and steve can you write this steve can we talk to you on the radio about this steve can you do a zoom call here can we do a video it never stops i'm not complaining but to be able to have the ability to go float for about an hour and just kind of shut everything down for a while, it's, uh, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. And we're going into the old chalet frame shop and the University Crossing Shopping Center, uh, right next to Little Caesars, of all places. And it's um, where my first job was, besides cutting grass, not that particular location, but I was, uh, and if you've worked at Little Caesars, you know what I'm talking about, the bubbles in the third oven, and I'll just leave it there. But all that said, uh, we're excited about it. And uh, every day that goes by, good things continue to happen. And and so that'll happen uh, later this year. So uh, we hope to have the complete build-out done here in a couple months and hopefully be open, uh, you know, maybe we'll be able to start doing some pre-sales for Black Friday and start getting you guys lined up to come float. I'm telling you, if if you have chronic pain or anxiety or, or if you just need to relax, uh, True Rest is super, super cool And I'll tell you, we've uh, they've got it all laid out We kind of know how things are going to go And how they're going to look And it's going to be unlike anything else in Starkville And uh, I'm not going to sit here and say That we're going to spare every expense But uh, we're not cutting any corners Because that's the people we are And we think you deserve to have the best Right? I mean, how many times in life i like, oh, we're going to do this And you look up and it's like, "Well, oh, it's just okay uh, Nothing is just okay for us And we're going to make sure we do a great job for you And look forward to having you Uh, come visit us. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.